All right, church, let's give up some worship. Come on, that was awesome. Man. Wow. Lee and team, thank you. How about it, First Baptist? You love your pastor and his wife. Aren't they awesome? Come on, let's hear it, man. I love Pastor Jason. The hardest thing about when I'm with Pastor Jason is, man, I don't even want to hang out with him because everywhere I go, people come up and go, hey, man, it is, is, that's Brad Pitt. I go, no, that's Jason. If you were to come up to me this morning and say, Pastor Robbie, I have a question for you. I'd say, yeah, what is it? And say if you were to ask me, Robbie, what is your most meaningful? Like that verse, that one you hang on to, and there is one. I can remember a number of years ago, man, I haven't had a perfect life and went through a real hard time in my life a number of years ago where I ended up in rehab. And when I was there and struggling and just in the wildest situation, the decisions of my life, I clung to this verse. If you were to ask me, Robbie, what's your most meaningful verse? That one verse that all of God's Word you kind of hold on to, you hang on to? Oh, I can tell you, just like that. As a matter of fact, most of you in this room, if you've been under the teaching of God's Word, there's that one verse that every time you hear it, oh man, it just... It's like you feel this yes. Every time you read it, it's like, man, I needed to read that again. You two like me have that one verse that is meaningful, special to you. In a few moments when you found out what that verse is, that is my verse, I guarantee you some of you in this room are going to go, hey, Robbie, that's mine too. The verse that's my most meaningful verse is probably the second most Quoted, maybe, let's say, most popular, if you can say that, verse in all of God's Word. The most popular, the one that most people tell me they love most, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I love John 3.16. That, that's the core heartbeat, the mantelpiece of the core truth of God's Word, that He loved us so much, He sent Jesus I love John 3.16, but that, that's not my favorite verse in all of God's Word. My favorite verse in all of God's Word was written by one of the apostles, the Apostle Paul. Now, when I found out where the Apostle Paul was versus where he wasn't, all of a sudden, that verse began to really mean that much more to me. Let me tell you where the Apostle Paul wasn't. When God spoke in and to and through him, this verse that is so meaningful in my life. Here a few years ago, Roger Palmer was at the time the student pastor at First Baptist Church, Paducah, Kentucky. Man, Roger calls me up and said, hey, Robbie, how you doing? I said, I'm good, Roger. He said, Robbie, you got your calendar with you. Popped open on my MacBook Pro and opened up my calendar. He said, you have these five days open in the first part of March? I said, Roger, they're open. He said, Robbie, would you pray about something? I said, Raj, what do you want me to pray about? He said, would you pray about going with our senior high students and being our speaker for our ski retreat at Breckenridge, Colorado? I said, Roger, hold on, let me pray about that. Yes, Jesus, I'll go. You know, so I said, man, I heard a yes on that one, go, you know? Man, I love this in Colorado. Man, I forget, I flew out there to Denver, rode the shuttle out to Breckenridge, Met the students that night. We had a great, man, great time of worship and Bible study that night. 
And the next morning, we got all suited up in our ski bibs and our poles and skis. And man, I rode that first ski lift, walked over to the next one, rode it up, walked over to the next one, and I rode the last one called T-Bar up to the very top of Breckenridge. You're at the very top where the bowls are. And but I just offer, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to just, just get it, just go through that snow. And all of a sudden, for just a moment, I caught myself like, whoa, held literally captive of the beauty of those huge snow-capped Colorado Rockies, those 14ers, just as I'm just literally drinking in that panoramic view of God's majesty, his beautiful creation. And there are times I hear people say, I'm not sure there's a God. I can hear Medea saying, hello, you know. (laughs) Man, I'll tell you what. The Apostle Paul, he wasn't in Breckenridge, Colorado somewhere, sitting on the porch of his little chalet with a cup of latte in his hand, Look at those beautiful snow-capped Colorados when God spoke to him. My most meaningful verse in all of God's Word. Let me tell you who else the Apostle Paul wasn't. A few years ago, I had the privilege of speaking to a singles conference in Hilton Head, South Carolina. By the way, that's where I met your pastor and his wife at a singles conference. If you're a single man, you should have hope. If your pastor married a beautiful woman, there's hope in Jesus. Come on. Hello. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. (laughs) That's right, baby. I love it. It was Hilton in South Carolina. And uh, spoke on a Friday night. Some of the singles came up to me and said, Man, Robbie, thanks for being here. So I'm I'm, I'm glad. Thanks. I'm glad I'm here. He said, Man, we, we want you to do this thing with us tomorrow. I said, one thing, no. No, you, you got, you'll love it. I said, okay, what is it? No, I'm like, every year we do this. Oh, every year. Oh, you throw the big T, the tradition. You got to do it because we always do it. We've always done this. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, and then they threw this one out. Every year, whoever the speaker is goes with us. <laughs> what can I say? So I'm like, sure, what is it? They said, oh, you're going to love it. Every year on this trip, we get up in the morning at like 4 30 in the A to the M and go to the head of the beach and watch the sunrise. I said, it does. <laughs> I'm like, wake me up the crack of noon. Y'all know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you gotta be kidding. I was like, I already agreed. I said, okay, here's the deal. I said, somebody's got to come to my hotel room and wake me up. I, I'm, I'm a deep, I'm a deep sleeper. I mean, literally, I mean, the house could burn down around me where I'm sleeping. I just like, hmm, that's so toasty warm. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm a deep sleeper. I mean, literally, it's like you could hit me in the head with a sledgehammer in the middle of the night. I'd just be going, mm, hit me, baby, one more time. I'm, I'm a deep sleeper. I'm such a deep sleeper. My wife, Tina, as I call her, Queen Latina, she has to have the alarm clock on her side of the bed because when we first got married, I thought it'd be good to put it on my side of the bed. We're, we're on our honeymoon. The alarm clock goes off, and so I reach over to hit the snooze button because that's a good thing, you know? And so I get five more minutes. Or I, I, I mean, I hit the snooze button, but the alarm... Now, this is, you know, I've been married a few years, so no fancy alarm clock. We're talking the old school, eh, 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 the annoying alarm, you know? And so I'm, I'm hitting the snooze button, 
And Pastor Jason, he kept going. Eh, eh. So I reach over and I hit it again. And I kept going. Eh, eh. I get you know, a third time, Leah, I hit it and it keeps going. Tina goes, quit. I said, I'm trying to make it stop. She said, well, you're hitting my face. You know? <laughs> so no more alarm clock on my side of the bed. So I'm like, hey, somebody come to my room, wake me up. And whoever it was did. I put my ball cap on and it's 4.30 in the morning and I'm walking outside. Have y'all ever met those happy morning people? It's like, are you smoking crack? What's going on here, you know? And if some of them are so happy, I want to go, <laughs> can I tell you why you're single? You know, never have <laughs> so, you know, We walk through the head of the beach and all I'm thinking is, man, as soon as the sun crests, I'm going back to my hotel room and I'm, I'm hitting the sheets again. And I mean, oh, but I will never forget when that sun literally crested on the Atlantic shore, all of a sudden I was drawn into the beauty again of God's creation, the gift God was giving me of another day. You know what the Apostle Paul wasn't sitting on the eastern shore somewhere watching the beautiful sunrise of another day. No, let me tell you where he was. In his day, where he was, he was publicly proclaiming, just like your pastor does Sunday after Sunday, publicly proclaiming the Word of God. And where he was, in that part of the country, it was against the laws and magistrates of that day. They rushed the Apostle Paul, chained him, and placed him in cell, in a jail. And while he was there, for publicly speaking the word of God in jail, that's where God spoke in and to and through him. My favorite verse in all of God's word. My favorite verse in all of God's word, we're going to throw it up on the screen. If you want to open up your Bibles, that's fine. It's found in the book of Philippians. I love the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians was written while he was captive for suffering, for just publicly speaking the word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. This says this, I am able, or as like one translation says, I can do not some things, but all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. Man, that verse, man, that, that, that's my verse. I've seen that verse in so many places. I think the first time I ever saw it, I, I grew up in Missouri, would spend my summers in, in, in the Ozark Mountains up outside of Piedmont, Mill Spring, Popper Bluff, Missouri, in my grandma and grandpa's house. And my grandma had a little old cross stitch that she'd made, and it was framed on the wall of the kitchen. And it was Philippians 4.13 in King James. I love how King James says it. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth. I love that word. Who strengtheneth me. I think that's the first place I, I, had, I had ever seen Philippians 4.13. Man, I, I've, seen, I've seen athletes put it up under the bill of the cap. Philippians 4.13. I've had the privilege of speaking to high school, college, pro football teams and seeing it on the wall in locker rooms. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. I think the most unique place I've ever seen this verse, I was uh, 
University of Baptist Church in Fayetteville. I did their student camp five summers in a row. Pastor Dave was a student pastor at the time, Jason, and, and I'd been there like a couple summers, and we went down to, to Camp Ozark or wherever it was. We'd had the camp every summer, and, and I, one of his leaders, I do not remember the guy, gentleman's name, but he was one of the assistant strength coaches at the University of Arkansas. Probably could use his help right now, but uh, so he said, David, I noticed Robbie was trying to find a gym while he was like at camp, said maybe next time he flies in, I, I'd love to take him to the University of Arkansas football weight complex and if he wants to work out. And Pastor David said, oh, I know Robbie would enjoy that. So the next time I flew to Northwest Arkansas, that gentleman picked me up, pickup truck. We drove right to the University of Arkansas, right to the football complex, got out of the pickup truck, walked up to the door. He unlocked it because I said he was one of the street coaches, one of the assistants, unlocked it, opened it up, hit the lights on, beautiful workout facility. Now he looked at his watch and said, hey, Pastor Robbie, he said, dude, I got a few meetings I've got to go to. He said, how much time do you need? I'll come back and pick you up. I'm like, dude, I'm going to get sore up in here, you know? I said, give me like an hour and a half. He said, okay, Pastor, I'll be back in about an hour and a half. And I, I'm the only one in there pumping a little iron. And you know, if you've been in a weight room, there's mirrors everywhere. So every once in a while, you know, I just kind of like notice myself, you know, kind of do a little pose down. Whoop, whoop. Kind of, I kind of felt like a library book, you know. People just needed to check me out, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I've been in almost 15 or 20 minutes. So all of a sudden, the door opens up. It's the same door I, I'd come in early with one of the coaches. And three guys, I'm talking huge guys. Guys that had muscles in places, I'm like, whoa, how'd you get in there, Junior? You know? <laughs> one guy walks over to the flat weight bench, slaps on not one, not two, not three, but four 45-pound plates on both sides. Now, I'm from Tennessee. I can't count very high without using my toes and my fingers, but that's a lot. And dude, he lays down and rips off the bar and puts up like 18 warm-up repetitions. I had a major Gomer Pyle moment. I'm like, oh. I mean, I, I think my, my jaw was dry. I'm like, you ever just caught you staring you're kind of, and you can't quit staring? And dude sits up and asks me a very intelligent question. He goes, you want to work in? <laughs> That's okay. Worked the chest yesterday, you know. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have got in front of that weight bar, I'd be like, ah! It's like, uh, cool, man. I said, no, that's all right. And, and uh, as he's talking to me, I couldn't help but notice on his huge old ham of a left arm, a tattoo. Tattoo of the cross. Above the cross, my verse. Philippians 4, 13. Dude, I had to ask him. I said, I said, dude, 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 what's it on your arm? I like, I like football players sometimes, you know. He goes, that arm? <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing on that arm. <laughs> now, he you know what his next response was? I love it. He goes, it's a tattoo. <laughs> I'm thinking, slow down, bro, slow down. So one step at a time, baby steps, baby steps, you know. <laughs> like, okay, I'm chilling. So, okay, so tell me about it. He takes his index finger, outlines the cross. He said, that represents the cross that Christ died on for me. He said, above it, he said, man, 
that's, that's, that's my verse out of the Bible. I said, now, now that's my verse. But I'm just kind of, I'm tracking with him. I said, okay, I said, uh, what's it say? Did I need to ask him what it said? No. But I want to hear him say. He said, it says, I, points to himself, am able and can do, or can do all things through him, Christ, who, and then flexes huge arm, strengthens me. I said, wow. I said, man, that's awesome, dude. He said, yeah, it is. He laid down, continued to lift his bus up. I walked over my little five-pound dumbbells. <laughs> a few minutes went by. I'm sitting on my edge of the bench, and he's on his. I said, hey, uh, can I ask you a question? And he looks over me and goes, yeah, shoot. I said, you don't know me. And he didn't know me. I said, no, I travel over over the United States, and I do. I didn't tell him what I did. I mean, there's some, you know, I'm always speaking to some student conference or the church or whatever. And I, I, I see people, you know, wearing shirt, Christian shirts or hats with a little fish symbol on it. Every once in a while, still the old, still see the old bracelet, the old WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelets? I, I said, hey, uh, I said, sometimes I see people like, like that tattoo or, or maybe a, 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 a verse on their, on their shirt, or maybe some sort of you know, cross or fish on their hat. I said, I'm just curious, because sometimes what I see people wear, and as I watch their lives, it's like I can't, it's like it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It's like what they're wearing ain't really who they are. What they got on ain't really what they really are. I said, I'm just curious, this right here, is that there because it's really real inside here? Or just something you thought you put on there because you, you just thought it was cute. Said he's sitting on his edge of the bench and kind of cocked his head to the side. Then he stood up. And he stood up, he starts walking toward me. And I'm sitting on my bench. As he's walking toward me, in my mind's eye, he's growing a whole lot bigger than he ever was, you know? All I'm thinking is I'm about to die in Arkansas, you know? He gets over me and said, You for real? I said, yeah. I said, the question is, pointed to his arm, back to his heart. I said, I'm asking you for real. He takes a step back, leans. He said, yeah. He said, let me tell you what, bro. As he outlined slowly the cross, he said, if Jesus hadn't died on that cross for me, he said, I'd have no hope. He said, because one day all of us kind of did this, kind of like closed his eyes open. I was going to close our eyes in death. Last time on the earth. He said, when I close my eyes, I know where I'm headed because what he did for me on the cross. He said, that verse, he said, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know what I've had to endure in my life. He said, that verse has helped me hold on what I want to let go. That verse has helped me to stand when I want to literally run the opposite direction. That verse has helped me kind of endure when life got so heavy, I couldn't even feel like I was able to stand. He said, yeah. He said, that's there. Because it's real in here. And he turned around and started walking back toward his bench. And I'll never forget, he stopped. He turned back around. And he said, uh, you got any more questions, little man? <laughs> like, That's okay. I can do all things. I am able to do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. You know why God put that there in his word? 
Because he knew we needed that promise of endurance. That no matter what we face at times, and it looks insurmountable, that he will give us the strength to walk through, to endure, to handle it when it's feel like I can't carry any more. I was in Orlando, Florida speaking. C3 Church. I was just sharing my verse and I don't know if you get one young man off of his 24, 25, I don't know the exact age, came up, had his hands in his pockets. He was just looking at the carpet. He said, hey, uh, he said, man, that's my verse. I said, awesome. I'd asked him his name. His name was Ben. I said, uh, tell me about it. Ben took his hands out of his pockets as he did. His fingers, his hands were, were gnarled in such a way that it was evident something tragic or whatever. It wasn't like he was born that way, but some sort of tragedy. And I'm like, uh, without asking, I, I kind of like with the look was asking like, so tell me about it. As he took his hands and put them back in his pockets. He began to share the story about how when he was a little boy, that that's how his dad disciplined him. And how he said, I, I can't remember where I heard the verse for the first time, but he said, there'd be times I'd be laying in bed at night as a little boy from what, how dad had taken my hands. And I'd just be literally all I could think is I can do I can do this. I may Jesus, I can do this, I can do this, Jesus. And all I could think of is Philippians 4.13. Through the course of the conversation, he shared how thankfully the authorities came into the home and removed him, put him in a foster home. He said, Well, the hardest things I've ever done, though, he said about two years ago, I felt like God want me to find my dad. And I'm thinking, I'd like to find your dad. I wouldn't necessarily call him a dad. That's what he did. I said, so tell me about that, Ben. He said, I felt like God said to go find your dad and tell him you forgive him. I'm like, wow, that's, that's strong. He began to talk a little further and said, the reason why I felt like God told him that is but like God said, Ben, if your dad can see that you can forgive him, then maybe in a small way, in a small way, your dad can see that I can forgive him from everything he's ever done. I can do all things. I am able to do all things through him. Christ who strengthens me. I was in Calvary Baptist Church, Longview, Texas. Pastor Richard Jones, the pastor there. Matter of fact, Richard Jones was a student pastor of a good friend of ours, Jason and I, Doug Fulton. But Doug's preached here before. I was preaching for Dr. Richard Jones there at Calvary. I remember I got through preaching that Sunday morning. I was just down front right here in this area hanging out with Pastor Richard and Miss Barbara and just some folks. I'm not sure why, but it's just one of those moments where I just couldn't help but notice and Walked along that side of the wall of that side of the church was a young mother, had two beautiful little baby girls, one on each hand, walking down that side 
of the church after church was over. But what I think caught my eye more than anything, literally tears just soaked both cheeks the side of her face. As she got to where Pastor Richard was and Miss Barbara, it just, she just, it just came out. She goes, why? Why? And she began to say, why did he leave? Why did this happen to me? Man, my heart was breaking. You know, God never intended for that husband to walk out of there and shirk his responsibilities. God never intended for that dad to say, I'm done, tap out, go on, see you later. I'll never forget, Miss Barbara brought a number of the ladies around from the church and they huddled around that young mom, those two little beautiful daughters, and they knelt down together and prayed over her that God would give her the strength that only he can give and that God would remind her every day that he's a father to the fatherless. I can do, I am able to do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. I was, uh, my wife and I, Tina, we were in the Green Hill area of Nashville, which is kind of like the Chenal area of Little Rock, and we're just hanging out, grabbing a coffee or something. It's been a few years back, and my cell phone rings. And you know when your cell phone rings, you know, Pastor Jake, you know what you do? You see who's calling, right? Because sometimes you go, let's get that with a voicemail. <laughs> and I saw their caller ID unknown. And I'm, I'm curious, have you ever had, like, no caller ID on it? You know it was, and, and you didn't get it, but they didn't leave a voicemail? And you're like, well, leave a voicemail. So I'm like... I picked it up. I said, hello. On the other end, this is what I heard. Brother. So one person calls me brother. That's my baby sister. That's been her term of endearment all our life. She's called me brother. Now, I had not seen my baby sister in like two years. The two years previous I saw her, here's how I come I saw her. I got a call from the Women's National Rescue Mission Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, is this Robbie Robinson? Yeah. Well, hey, your, your sister Teresa is down here and she's giving us your number. Call her. I said, my, my, what? I said, describe her. Okay, that's her. I left my home, Franklin, Tennessee, downtown Nashville, Women's National Rescue Mission, off of Rosa Parks Boulevard, got my baby sister in my car, drove out to Franklin, got something to eat, came to the house. having a conversation. I went upstairs to get something. I came back downstairs and she bolted, gone. And so for two years, didn't know where she was. Those two years, I remember my mom bought those presents every Christmas, put them by the tree because we had that family time. Baby girl's coming home. Mama hoping the hope. I can remember those two Christmases. My mom literally being in the kitchen weeping on a Christmas morning hurting for the daughter, wherever she was. So he was like, two years. Brother, I'm, I'm going to Teresa. She was brother. It, she didn't say, hey, hey, man, bro, hey, I need to, she just, her first words after saying brother was, can I do this? I'm like, excuse me? Can I do this, Robbie? I said, do what, Teresa? She starts naming all the things 
that she knows she needs to begin to do in her life that she hadn't been doing. She began to name all the things that she knew she needed to turn her back from and walk away from in her life. Can I do this? Oh, my answer? My answer not only surprised her, it angered her. My answer? No, you can't. I mean, it was like she leapt through the receiver's no, what do you mean telling me I can't? But you're my big brother. And, and like, aren't you still like a preacher or something? <laughs> Man, don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah, I'm still a preacher, you know? She goes, what do you mean telling me I can't? I said, Tracy, you're not listening. You're not listening. You, by yourself, you can't do this. Only through Jesus. She was willing to meet, talk, listen. She went through about six rehabs. Finally, I got her signed up in a thing at Park Avenue Baptist Church called Celebrate Recovery. Pastor Bob, Park Avenue Baptist Church on a Wednesday night, sitting on the front pew after Celebrate Recovery, was talking to my baby sister again about, hey, you can't, only through Jesus. And about three years ago, my baby sister Gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. On the front pew, Park Avenue Baptist Church, Charlotte Avenue, Nashville, Tennessee. You know the calls I like today? Brother. Hey, Trees, you know what today is? Six months. You know what today is? 12 months. You know what 18 months? Drug, alcohol free. Hey, brother, you know why? Tell me why. Few months ago, everything within her shut down. My baby sister, because of the life she's lived, she's got HIV, AIDS, hepatitis C, and the list goes on. She got rushed to Anvil Hospital. She's in the ICU disease control unit. And she's in immense pain. I remember standing at her bedside. Kidneys shut down. She's, and literally, she's. In so much pain, hard talk, she goes, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore, Robbie. I said, no, you can't. But I'll never forget, she halfway kind of took her hand, thinking she said, but, but Jesus right, brother. Jesus right. Yeah. Yeah. I can do. I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength.